I want us to focus on God's word right now. I want to share with you something that I believe will be beneficial for your life and for your journey in the Lord. The last week I shared about hearing the voice of God and the weeks before that I spoke about um, the presence of God. We did a two-part series on that subject and so I hope, you know, as you heard those sermons, I hope that you've gone back home and you've been more aware of God's presence. I hope that, you know, last week as you heard about the voice of God, I, I hope that you incorporated it into your prayer, saying, God, speak to me. And as you took the word and as you began to read, you said, Lord, speak to me. Because God primarily speaks to us through his word. Amen. I, I, I hope and believe that your Bible reading has improved, that you're reading five chapters at least. Amen. <laughs> we, we have to move out of this habit of reading just one chapter a day and move beyond that because it becomes a habit. And sometimes when we are busy, we wait for that one chapter to get over. And sometimes as we are reading, you know, the verses go on and on. We're wondering, when is the chapter going to end? <laughs> now, we've all been there where we look, when is the chapter ending? Let me just finish. But instead of reading in haste, we must read in a way that God speak to me. God, pour out your spirit into my hearts. Because when God does that, our life will be, desi- uh, will be different. You know, my desire for the church, you know, as a pastor, is that all of you will grow in the knowledge of God and also in your relationship with God. I, I, my prayer is that, that, that you will become more like him so that he may increase in your life and so that you may decrease. I pray that God's light will shine through you that the world will know that your friends, you know, when you meet them, they'll say, you're different. May they learn that we belong to Jesus. Amen. This morning, I want to take you through God's word. And I want to share with you one of the most important tactic of the enemy. One of the most important ways in which he attacks us. Now, as God's people, it's important for us to study about the power of God, about how God works. And also it's important for us to study and understand how the enemy works. Because the Bible reminds us that we have an enemy. The day you become a Christian, the day you become a person of faith, you know, you start living for God, you're passionate for God, you're reading his word. The day you become that way, what happens is you come on the enemy's radar and he looks for an opportunity to attack you. So the enemy's biggest target is God's people. Not just Christians, you know, sometimes we can call ourselves Christian, but never really love the Lord. But people who love God, people who are passionate about his word, he targets those people and he wants them to be destroyed in some or the other way. So the Bible reminds us, be on guard, be alert, be aware, because he is always looking for ways to destroy our faith in Christ. Now, previously, those of you who have been part of a church for a long time, You may be aware that I've spoken on this subject several times. I've spoken on demonology. I've done a a study on that. And probably, you know, I'm thinking after we finish the book of Romans, I'll go through another series on demonology. We'll see how that goes. I believe as church, it's important for us to study those subjects over and over again to understand that the enemy exists and that he is there to destroy our life. Someone wrote like this saying, the biggest lie that, peop- that people have believed today is that Satan does not exist. That's the biggest lie. That's the biggest lie. You know, he likes to hide in plain sight. 
He likes to be there and have no one notice him. That is how the enemy operates. But as God's people, God has given us the ability to discern. Amen. The God has given us, our God has given us the spirit of discernment so that we can understand. Paul says like this, we are not unaware of his schemes. In other words, we know what he's up to. We know that he's trying to attack us. We know he's trying to do these things. So as God's people, it's important for us to be aware. So this morning, I want to share with you one important way in which the enemy attacks. And I'm going to share with you more details about this attack and how he does it and how we can overcome. The first one, this is the only point I have today, the, the way in which the enemy attacks is this. He constricts us. Okay, the other word is constriction. The word constrict means to make something narrow or to limit something. For instance, you know, a person who suffers a heart attack suffers because one of his vessels, blood vessels, is constricted. So there is no free movement. So what was big before, what was a normal size, is now constricted. It has become narrow. When you look at the word constriction, constriction is one of the ways through which the enemy will attack us. Now let me explain to you this in a more biblical sense. Later also, I'll give you an analogy of a snake and how it attacks and how it's similar to how the enemy also operates. Now let's, let's read this Bible verse. Turn with me to the book of Job. Turn with me to the book of Job. How many of you read the book of Job at least twice? Can I see your hands? Amen. I see two people. <laughs> if you want to understand the nature and the character of God, and also if you want to understand the tactic of the enemy, you have to study the book of Job. It's a very interesting, a very amazing book. I, 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 you know, every time I read the book of Job, it just amazes me. I've read it several times, but last, you know, yesterday morning as I was reading, something new, there was something new that came up I felt I should share with you. So turn with me to Job chapter 3, verse 24. Job 3, 24. Job speaks these words and he says, for sighing has become my daily food. My groans pour out like water. My groans pour out like water. Let's bow down our heads in prayer. Father, minister to us as we hear from your word. Speak to us. Make us more aware and help us to overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. Job 3.24, Job says, For sighing has become my daily food, and my groans pour out like water. When you read the book of Job as a whole, it describes to us two things. It demonstrates how the enemy can work in your life. It demonstrates how terrible things he can cause in your life. And second things, it also demonstrates, shows us that no matter what happens, God will rescue Amen. So these are two things that we see in the book. Now, we all know the story of Job, right? He was a certified, the ISI mark, certified righteous man. God certifies him. There's no one as righteous as Job. What happens is Satan puts a target on Job. God permits that. So the first attack, you know, when, when Satan attacked uh, Job, his his hope was that Job will curse God. That's all he wants. See, when the enemy attacks, what he wants to do is to turn you against God. Whether you die or not, it's a second worry. 
What he desires first is that you will start questioning God. You will start asking God, why me? Why have you done this for me? That is what the enemy desires because if you can turn against God, then that's the end of your faith. That's what he wants in your life. So when the enemy attacked, he desired that somehow, you know, Job will curse God. So Satan attacks twice. The first time when Satan attacked, Job lost everything that belonged to him. His children, his positions, everything was gone. And if you look at the life of Job in chapter 1 of the book of Job, Job was still optimistic. He was still hoping that some things will change, some things will get better. And so what he does is that he says these words, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. So he still praises God. Now this is the first attack. Now the second attack comes to Job directly. Now he lost everything around him, but the second time, it comes to him directly. Now this time his health is attacked. He experiences a skin condition which is, which is today called as Job's syndrome. My wife showed me her textbook and she said, you know, check this out, this is how it looks. And I tell you, it's terrible. And one day she showed me her book while I was eating <laughs> and I couldn't eat. <laughs> it was very difficult. Because when you look at those images, you understand what kind of suffering Job would have gone through. His condition was so bad when he was attacked the second time. Job chapter 2 verse 12 says like this, when they saw him from a distance, who's Job's friend, when they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud. So imagine his close friends who knew him very well for a very long time could not recognize him. They began to weep aloud. They tore their robes, sprinkled, sprinkled dust on their heads. This is what happens. His condition becomes very bad. Now listen what he says the second time. So first time, what did Job say? God has given, God has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now turn with me to Job chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. What does he say? After this, Job opened his mouth. Did he praise God? What did he say? He cursed the day of his birth. Verse 2, he said, May the day of my birth perish. And the night that said, a boy is conceived. Verse 4, the day, may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine on it. You see the difference in the words that Job is speaking here? First when it happened, he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. But now, he didn't praise God. He curses the day of his birth, saying, he wonders, why was I even born? May that night be perished. May that night be blotted away from memory. And, and after that, followed by all these, he says these words in verse 24, because in verse 24, what he does is that he expresses how he feels at this moment. He says in verse 24, for sighing has become my daily food and my groans pour out like water. And if you go to verse 26, he says like this, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. I want you to come along with me. There are two words that we see in verse 24. Can we have verse 24 on screen? There are two words we see. He says, sighing has become my daily food and groans pour out like water. Now we know what a sighing is. It's an audible 
you know, breathing audibly. Usually when a person breathes, you can't hear them. But when the breathing becomes heavy, you know, it's, it's, that's what sighing is. Because you take a deep audible breath to express your grief. And the second word we find here is the word groaning. A person groaning in pain. And so a person groans in pain when he is under a long, very prolonged stress. In other words, you can say that Job was feeling constricted. He was feeling like he's under a lot of strain, a lot of pressure. He was under great despair. He's taking deep breaths to just express his grief. He was groaning under pain. Now, when you look at the word constriction, constriction is one of the biggest attacks the enemy brings against a believer's life. And often, you see, we may not realize it when we face such issues. When we face, what happens is we blame others. We say, oh, because of this person or because of that person, it happened. And sometimes they blame themselves, oh, because of me, all these things happened. But very seldom do people really identify who the real enemy is. Because the way in which the enemy will constrict you is, is something that we may not even be aware of sometimes. You know, uh, a couple of months ago, I was watching a documentary on how animals survive in harsh conditions. And they were showing a snake, how the snake survives. So this is a place where it snows and a snake has to eat its food. No matter what happens, whether it snows or rains, it has to eat food to survive. And what this snake does is, you know, the rodents, the rats live underground. So before attacking the rat, what it'll do is this. First thing, close every passage, every way the mouse can escape, okay? Close every path and then go in an attack. I was looking at this and wondering, you know, who gives the brains to such animals? You know, God gives them the ability to hunt for food. Now, I'm not going to say a snake is demonic, but there are certain things when you see how it functions, it is similar to how the Bible describes how the enemy functions. Now, there is one particular snake called as the anaconda. I'm sure all of us have heard about that snake. It's one of the largest snakes, and it's a non-venomous snake, which means it cannot bite and attack you, okay? But what this anaconda does is that it constricts. It constricts its prey, and then it swallows alive. So yesterday I was watching this video of this capybara, the large rodent, such a big one. It was you know, somewhere near the water and uh, anacondas can live underwater and also on land. And so it went underwater, uh, wrapped its body around it. And when, the, when an anaconda constricts, okay, it is almost, it puts about one ton of pressure on the body. So imagine a car, okay, a car that is about 900 to 1,000 kgs on your chest. How would you feel? It puts that kind of pressure so that the prey is completely dead. And once it starts holding, it will not stop until it's dead, until the prey is completely dead. So when the snake wraps around, it puts a lot of pressure, which means it suffocates, chokes, kills it first, and then consumes. Uh, some videos, they were saying it, it will increase its pressure up to 9,000 uh, pounds or 9,000, I think, 9,000 pounds. I don't know how much it's in kgs, but you can, can do the math. 9,000 pounds, it's almost as if a bus, a school bus on your body. What if it falls on you? 
very uneventful thing. Just imagine that kind of a pressure will fall on your body. Now, when a person is constricted, what will happen is he will feel as if he is being crushed emotionally and physically every day. When a person experiences a constriction, he will feel as if life is full of emotional and mental torture. And that is why if you read Job chapter 3 verse 26, he says, I have no peace and no quietness. I have no rest but only turmoil. Only turmoil. Now I want to say this to you. Probably you may be facing an emotional turmoil. When you wake up in the morning, you may feel like a failure. You may feel lonely. You may feel like there's no one to stand with you. There are things that you are experiencing that you may not be able to put in words. But whatever you are going through, I want you to understand that just as God delivered Job out of all his troubles, he will also deliver you. Amen. Whatever you're going through, I want you to understand that God is able to change your situation today. Whatever you're facing, God can turn around your life today. As I share this with you, you know, my desire is to help you understand how the enemy works. Because sometimes, you know, we end up focusing on the wrong people. We end up focusing on someone else or some person or something that happened. But, but what we haven't figured out is the real source of all our troubles. As I, as I share this with you, I pray that God will open our eyes to understand, to enable us to understand the discern, understand and discern the attack that we may be facing in our life today. Amen. Are you with me so far? Before I continue, I want you all to stand up. I want to pray, and then I want to continue speaking. Request you all to stand up. I don't know what you may be going through. I felt led to do this. I want to pray for all of you, that no matter what you may be experiencing today, God will deliver you. God will restore you. I don't know about you, but I'm facing it. I'm facing a challenge. I'm facing, like, you know, I was thinking to myself, God, what's happening? What is happening in my life? I feel constricted. I feel like, you know, there are so many things that I can do, but I'm unable. Have you woken up and felt like, you know, I'm going to do this and do this, and within one hour, it became so unproductive that you put everything aside and forgot even what you had to do? There's an attack that's coming over your family that you may not realize today, but I want to pray for you right now. Would you lift up your hands? I'm going to pray for you and say, God, help them. Father, we come into your presence. I pray, Lord, that you would deliver them from every attack of the enemy. Just as you rescued Job, just as you restored the fortunes of Job, I pray, Lord, that each one of us will find restoration in you. That whatever attacks that we are facing today, Lord, we pray that you would cover us with your presence, shield us by your power, and help us to overcome every attack of the enemy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Please be seated. So we're talking about the biggest attack of the enemy, that is constriction. But how does that happen? How does he constrict you? And what are the experiences that you might have? Now the first thing that will happen to you when you experience this attack is that the enemy will take away your joy. The way he does that is by destroying what you love. First, what he'll do is he'll bring an attack between the husband and the wife. Take away the things that you delight in. 
And in Job's case, we see he lost all his family, he lost his children, he lost his positions. You see, what we might experience in our life is that when we face this attack, there'll be a sudden change in the environment in the house. Husband will turn against the wife and the wife will turn against the husband. You know, earlier they were singing love songs to each other. Now they don't want to even look at each other's face. Once upon a time, they would be full of love. And now, the moment they look at the husband's face, anger only comes. Only anger. They just can't, you know, stand that spouse, you know, that same person they married years ago. And what happens is, all hell breaks loose in the house. Once upon a time, there was so much of joy when the parents and the children came together. But now, there is no joy. It's like when people are together more, there's more strife. See, the enemy destroys what you love. He will destroy your marriage. He will destroy everything that is important to you. Now, when this happens, here's what we must do. Instead of fighting, instead of fighting, we must stop. We must stop blaming each other. Instead of doing all that, we must start praying against every plan and purposes of the enemy. We have to begin to pray for deliverance that this strife in the house between husband and wife will end. I tell you, so many marriages are strained today. They're, they're reaching at the, the point of divorce. They're thinking, why did I marry him? Why did I marry her? Constantly these thoughts have filled their mind. And, and uh, let me tell you this, it's not something natural. There is a supernatural attack against Christian families today. You see, people, you know, they come to church, they're very happy, but they go back homes, they don't see each other's face. Husband does his own thing, wife does his own thing. Where did the joy go? What happened? I tell you, the enemy has attacked your family. Sometimes you may think, no, 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 my wife is the biggest enemy. <laughs> I don't know about Satan. My husband is the biggest. I tell you, no. No. There's something, a third person that you're not seeing that is living in your own house, destroying your family. Stand in prayer. As couples, stand in prayer every day. As families, stand in prayer every day. Because the enemy wants to break marriage. He wants to take your joy away. That is where the first attack will come. Because once the families are attacked, husband and wife come under attack, the next easy attack is the children. So easy to attack. That is where, you know, I, I see a lot of pastors because I grew up in the ministry circle. You know, pastors face a lot of challenge. They face a lot of attack. And the next person to get attacked is a son or daughter. I was watching a video of uh, John Piper. I don't know how many of you have heard of him. He runs a ministry called Desiring God. And his son has turned into an atheist. And his son speaks against everything his father has been speaking for 30, 40 years. Just imagine how painful it will be for a father to see that happen. There are attacks that come on our family and we should not just think of maybe this person, maybe that thing or maybe this thing. Rather, we have to stand in prayer and say, Lord, I stand against every attacks of the enemy. Many, you know, end their marriage as saying, I don't feel loved anymore. I don't feel like, you know, she loves me or he loves me. It's not that there is no love, but there is a third person who is blinding you, who has kept you bound to understand the real love that comes from your spouse. So the first thing that will happen to you when the enemy constricts is that he will take away your joy. 
Now the second thing he will do as he constricts your life is that he will take away your essential needs. See, as, as human beings, we have the need for relationships, need for friendships. You look at Job's case, what happens is his friends come, they look at him, they could not identify him because he was so different now. His appearance has changed. They weep, but what did they say? Did they comfort him? No, they criticized him. So imagine, imagine this man going through so much pain, so much pain already, and now his friends start to criticize him. Job's case, he lost his friends. You see, the enemy will attack our relationship. You know why? Because it's an es essential need for us. Psalmist David writes like this in Psalm 41.9, he says, even my close friend, someone whom I trusted, or the one who shared my bread has turned against me. Now, when this happens to you, don't hate that person. When this happens to you, don't hate them, but surrender to God and ask God to restore that relationship. And God will make it happen in due time. Another part of this, another essential need we have is this. See, as men, men have this need. They need to be respected. Now, some will say it's a male ego. That's why they want respect. No. Psychologically, men need respect. They like to be appreciated. Okay. A woman needs to feel loved. That is her need. But for a man, they need to be respected. Now, what the enemy will do is that he will attack you in such a way that you will lose your respect in front of everyone. That once upon a time, you may be respected, but now, today, you may be a person that people don't even want to see. What happens is, as a result, for a man, he will feel worthless. He will feel, you know, I'm a failure. I'm, I'm good for nothing. When it happens to a woman, she'll feel like nobody loves me. See, a woman likes to hear words that express love to them. She likes to hear words. That's what, you know, they say that men fall in love by seeing, women fall in love by hearing. So some, sometimes, you know, you see these odd couples, the girl is really pretty and the boy is not so <laughs> handsome and everybody's handsome in their own way. And we may wonder how. It's because the boy knows how to talk. They know how to speak. They know how to be romantic. Because women like to hear that. They like, they fall in love by what they hear. And so what happens is when, a, when the woman feels like, you know, nobody loves me, nobody's expressing their love to me, my husband doesn't love me, that brings a great hurt in their life. And this is exactly what the enemy will attack. He will attack your essential need. Be aware of this. When this happens to you, remember, people don't hate you, but you have been kept away from understanding how much people around you will love you. I have just 17 minutes left, and I have a long sermon today, uh, but I want to share this as much as possible. Probably I may take five, 10 minutes more, but I want you to bear with me. The third thing that will happen to you is that when the enemy constricts, he will take away your opportunities. He will take away your career. We all, you know, we all love to do something worthwhile with our life. We all like to be busy. We like to be occupied in the work that we are doing. But when you experience this attack, what will happen is you will lose your career, all your opportunities, 
And at this point, everything you try, everything you do will become a failure. You try so many things over and over again, you'll begin to fail. As a result, what will happen is you will lose the quality of life, you'll become lazy, complacent, non-productive, and you'll end up wasting a lot of time on Instagram, on YouTube, just watching videos. I don't know what I'm doing with my life, I'm just going to watch more and more and just waste my time. Because there is, there is a complacency that comes. You're not motivated anymore. And also in this, what happens is people lose their vision for the future. They lose their desire for the future and they become, and some of them even lose their memory. Not that they have a memory loss, but they'll be doing something and five minutes later, they'll be doing something else. And if you ask them, you know, did you finish that work? They'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm forgot, I forgot about it. You tell them something, they will forget within five, 10 minutes. Nothing will register in their mind. And, and sometimes, you know, people look at them and say, hey, hey, you're so dumb, why are you like this? Never treat them that way, but rather understand that they have come under an attack. Because as God has created human beings, no one is dumb, no one is, you know, lacking anything in any way. God has created people with intelligence. But sometimes, you know, when I meet and work with certain young people, I see that they're so bright, so smart, but they cannot complete one job properly, one work properly. And as I see that, I understand that they have come under a certain kind of attack. So the third thing the enemy does is, he will take away your opportunity and career. The fourth one, I want to share this with you. He will take away your hope. This is the last point. He will take away your hope. One of the feelings that will come to you at this time is, why was I even born? Job says the same things, you know, why didn't I die? Why wasn't I like a stillborn child? If you read verse 16, Job 3.16, he says, why was I not hidden in the ground like a stillborn child, like an infant who never saw the light of day? You see his question, why didn't I die? Because this man, feels hopeless. He loses everything. He loses his children, position. Wife comes to him and says, hey, curse God and die. Why are you holding on? He says, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we only receive good from God? And he goes on to say, God is given and God is taken away. Now, we don't know what happened to Job's wife. We believe that Job's wife remained and that's why he could have children again. Because if he had remarried, the Bible would have mentioned, but we don't see anything. His wife would have stayed with him. But through that process, he would have experienced even bitterness from his wife. He would have felt so hopeless as a person. See, this is how the enemy attacks. If you ever feel hopeless about your future, I want you to know, it's not because God is not working, it's because you have come under a certain attack. If you wake up in the morning and feel so demotivated, if you wake up in the morning and feel like a failure, you have come under a certain attack. And instead of looking at the situation around you, because see, when the enemy brings this kind of an attack, it'll feel like it, it's naturally happening. This person did this or that situation changed, it's naturally happening. Let me tell you, there are times when the enemy will make it seem like a natural thing. Even for Job, it would have seemed like that. In fact, in, in Job chapter 3, verse 15, he, not 15, verse 25, he says, what I feared has come upon me. Which means this man always feared that maybe this will happen to me, maybe that will happen to me. Finally, it's come. So it's like, 
it all just happened. But little does he know there is a person behind that attack. Now the question people ask when this happens to them is, why does it happen to me? Why does all these things happen? Now let me give you a couple of reasons why it happens. The first one is that it's God's sovereign plan. Now some Christians don't like to hear this. Let me tell you, God will sometimes permit difficulty in your life. God will sometimes allow sicknesses in your life. I know this is a word that will not make you feel or say amen, but this is the truth. See, God is not the author of evil. He does not cause sickness. He does not make a person fall into sin, but he will take or give a permission to the enemy for a limited period of time. And that's exactly what we see happening to Job. God says, do anything you want, but don't destroy him. God permits Job to experience these sufferings because God is sovereign, which means he will use even that bad situation to turn it for our good. Joseph was thrown into the pit. Was he in the pit forever? No, he went to a palace. He became a king. He became the reason why his family survived. You may not know why you're going through, but let me tell you, you're gonna be a blessing one day. Let me remind you, the sufferings that you are facing today, the challenges that you're facing today is gonna be a blessing for everyone around you. Your family may look at you and think that, oh, this guy is worthless. I don't know what he's up to in his life. But let me tell you, your family will be blessed through you because God will turn every situation for your good. That is who our God is. He is a sovereign God. There are people who will say that, well, no, 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 God does not allow sickness. Some will even say, as a Christian, you cannot fall, fall sick at all. Now let me tell you, please read your Bibles. Read your Bibles carefully. You'll begin to understand. See, most of this idea that comes that you cannot fall sick as a Christian comes from prosperity gospel preachers. All they preach is God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. That's the biggest lie. You will fall sick because we live in a world, live in a planet that is broken, damaged by sin. Only when we get to heaven, we will have bodies that cannot ever fall sick. So we live in a fallen earth, so we will fall sick and if God desires, he will heal. And it is his plan and no, whatever happens, whether the healing takes place or not, everything is for his glory. So the first reason why that will happen is God is sovereign. You know, whenever I speak on the sovereignty of God, people become a little uncomfortable. They're like, I know this is true, but I don't know if I want to hear. Let us not have this selective hearing. Some people are very selective hearing. There are people who ignore the book of Job. They're like, no, no, that is not true. Cannot happen. I'm a New Testament believer. And if you don't read the Old Testament, you cannot understand the New Testament at all. So God's sovereign, he allows certain things to happen to us for a period of time, but everything will turn into a blessing one day. The other reason why it'll happen is because of our mistakes. The enemy will always take advantage of our failures. There'll be times in our life when we may intentionally commit certain mistakes. And even after God has warned us and saying, don't do this, don't do this, we may continue doing it, and eventually the enemy will take advantage of those and will cause a catastrophe in our life. The next reason why this could happen to us 
is because of the people who rise against us. But this is why we have to be very, very careful of who we are friends with. Always, you know, I, I encourage young people, don't look at a, you know, another friend and say, wow, you're such an amazing person. Why didn't I meet you before? You're my best friend now. Don't become best friends in one day. The sooner you make friends, the faster you'll break away from them. Take a long time. Understand that person. Get to know them. And then become friends. Don't be, you know, hasty in rushing into a relationship. You like a person, pray about it. Think about it. Surrender it to the Lord and God will give you the wisdom. Instead of just you know, jumping into a commitment immediately, wait. Because the quicker you make a relationship, a relationship to happen, the faster it will fail. So that, keep that in mind. When you look at the life of David, there was one man called Ahitopil, who was the counselor of David. Now I've spoken about his life uh, a couple of months ago. He was very important, very influential in the court of David. But what happened is eventually, Absalom was gaining favor. Now, Absalom was David's son, and Absalom was slowly you know, taking people to his side. And one of the people that went along with Absalom was Ahitopil. And you see what happens is, eventually this man who served with David, who was faithful to David, turned against David. And see, when I read the story of David, it's very obvious David as a king would have known Ahitopil is changing his allegiance to another man. But David didn't do anything about it. See, there are times when God will remind you that, hey, this person in your life is not the right friend. But you will say, God, this is the best friend I ever have. If I lose this person, I'll be lonely. Let me tell you, sometimes it's better to be lonely than to have the wrong friend. Be alone, it's okay, nothing. You're not gonna lose anything in life. But when you have the wrong kind of people, They'll be waiting for that one day, one day, that one moment to bring a great problem into your life. So three reasons why this could happen. First is God's sovereign plan. Second, even our mistakes leads us to that point. Third, people who rise against us. So people who often experience this constriction, this sort of attack from the enemy, will feel suffocated. They'll feel like, you know, I'm being choked. There's no freedom, no freedom in their mind. They struggle day in and day out. The question you may have is, so how do we overcome all this? How do we overcome this situation? One of the biggest ways that you can overcome is through prayer and reading of the word. Now many will say that, well, I want to run to this prophet, that man of God. Don't do all that. Seek counsel, but pray more. Seek counsel, pray more. Sometimes, you know, some Christians are good at giving prayer requests. They'll send everybody, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Have you prayed for yourself? Have you prayed for yourself? Maybe not. There was a lady who came to a pastor and said, Pastor, pray for my son. He is a drug addict, you know, he's doing all these things. The pastor asked, so how much do you pray for your son? She said, no, pastor, I'm very busy. I'm very busy. She said, don't expect me to pray. So the pastor said, don't expect me to pray for your son when you don't have time for your own son to pray. You, you understand the concept. See, when it comes to prayer, God expects us to pray. So if we are going through this situation, one of the first prayers that we have to pray is that God strengthen me. See, when people are constricted, when they feel like a failure, when they wake up in the morning, they feel so demotivated, they don't feel like even going to office or doing anything, 
at that point, what they have to do is they have to pray, God, strengthen me. You look at the Psalms, you look at the prayers of David, in so many places, he prays that God strengthen me. I feel weary. The enemy has attacked me. This person has done this to me. He always strengthened himself in the Lord. How did he do that? He prayed, he sought the Lord because he understood that God is as the strength for him. See, your strength does not come from people. It does not come from family or it does not come from the resource you have. It only comes from God. Psalmist says, I lift up my hills, my eyes to the hills. From where my help comes from, where does it come from? From the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's where your strength comes from. So if you're going through this, I want you to pray for strength every day to bear the season of life. The second type of prayer you have to make is a prayer of reconciliation. There are things that you've done God was not pleased with and your prayer has to be, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I watched this. I'm sorry that I allowed this in my life. I'm sorry that I spent too much time on social media. I'm sorry that I allow people to dictate me. I'm sorry that I've not read your word. You see, if, if we ever live our life continually to a point where we don't read the Bible properly for a long period of time and, and don't pray, you are open to attack. I want you to understand this. You, something is going to happen to you. Every time you approach the word of God, you have to approach it this way, saying, if I don't read this, the enemy will find a way to attack me. The way to armor yourself is to read the word. And so when you go to God and say, God, I'm sorry for what I did. Fall at his feet. Ask for forgiveness. When you do that, he will reconcile you. He will change your situation. The final kind of prayers is that pray for people who, are, who have stood against you. Pray for people who have stood against you. Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 31 David had been told Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. So what was David's prayer here? Turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. Did it happen? Yes. At one point Ahithophel says, you know, do this, do this. He comes to Absalom and says, you know, take a thousand men, attack when your father is weak. But Hushai, who was David's team, he comes and gives a different counsel. And Absalom rejected Ahithophel's counsel. So his counsel, Ahithophel gave a counsel saying, go kill David. But God turned that into foolishness. You see, we are not called to pray and attack anyone. But we have to pray saying, God, there is something that this person is doing against me. Let that not happen. Let that not take place. Protect me from every attacks that come from people. You know, I stand on stage week after week. I preach, I teach week after week. And I often, you know, realize that there can be people who are constantly, you know, thinking, you know, negative thoughts about me. Not that I don't, you know, not that I don't care about it, but... Sometimes, you know, we have to pray for certain things because we may not realize the thoughts that people have against us can also be like a tool for the enemy to weaken our heart. 
somehow, somewhere we will sense or have a certain attack on our life. You know, we may have just received a promotion, a financial blessing or something, but the people against us, you know, with us, they'll be jealous, they'll be burning with jealousy. And even that can cause a certain problem in our life. And what we must do is say, God, protect me from every evil thought that's coming from a person. Maybe someone is doing something against me. Protect me from them. Keep me safe. David prayed saying, God, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. Now, one of the things you see is that David was very discerning. He knew where the attack was coming from and he knew how to pray. See, David never you know, said, okay, this person is doing something, let me go destroy him. But rather, he always prayed. When it comes to this situation, when we face an attack from the enemy, we have to say, God, I pray, Lord, that everything that this person is trying to do against me, maybe my boss, maybe my friend, you hear something that he's doing against you, pray that God, no matter what he plans against me, may it never prosper. May it never prosper. When you stand in prayer, you'll see things happen. The final way to pray is that the Bible reminds us to resist the devil and he will flee from us. And also, along with that, you just cannot resist the devil and enjoy your life. You have to submit to God. When, you, when you're going through this situation, when you're facing this constriction, one of the things that will happen to you is it'll be very difficult to pray. It'll be very difficult for you to enjoy the presence of God like you did before. And in those moments, what you have to do is, no matter what you feel or how you feel, you have to pray. You have to make it a point to pray. Surrender yourself to God. Ask God to cleanse you first. Ask God to deal with your life. If there's anything that's impure, ask God to deal with it. The next step, resist the devil. Stand against every powers of the enemy. You know, often I pray over my house, you know, when my children and my wife, they're sleeping, I, I, I pray saying, God, protect my family, keep them safe. I stand against every plans of the enemy. Because, you see, the enemy works in different ways, through media, through YouTube. For children, you know, some of the content, if you look at it, during Halloween season, they talk everything about ghost stories, all those things, so weird, so annoying. You know, even if you, you know, YouTube has an option saying not interested, I've put that up, like, probably 50, 60 times. Not interested, not interested, never works. You still end up watching Halloween content. The enemy is trying to attack. Our prayer should be, God, keep my children safe. Because sometimes I may not see what's happening, but my prayer is, God, I stand against every plans of the enemy over my life, over my family, over my children. I pray over my house. Go to your office, pray in that place. Go to your home, pray. Every time you go to a certain place, pray that God will keep you protected and safe from every attack of the enemy. You know, when I, when I was talking about demonology and, and someone said to me, why do we have to talk about Satan? We're not talking about Satan as, as if he has a great power. No, God has the greatest power. He is the greatest, but the enemy also can cause a great havoc in your life. We see in the book of Job how terrible his attack can be. And if we are not discerning, you know what we'll do? We'll say, oh, this person, that person, this situation, that situation. We will miss the real person in all of this. And the enemy will be having a good laugh. Wow, <laughs> they don't know. They don't even care. The Bible says, resist the devil. Submit to God first. Resist the devil and he will flee. 
We have to draw near to God every day. Why is it important to come to church so that we can have the power to resist? There are so many people who don't come to church, but when troubles come, they are trying to resist the devil and they face more and more attacks because they don't have the power in them. Come to church, be part of fellowship, listen to God's word, engage in God's word, read your Bible, study your Bible, so that when the enemy attacks, you will have the strength to stand up and say, get behind me, Satan. Peter comes to Jesus and says, no, 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 you should not go to the cross. Did Jesus say, oh, what a lovely disciple you are. I love you, Peter. Jesus knew where the source was. I wonder if we understand that. I wonder if we see that. Jesus understood that this is not Peter speaking, but Satan speaking. I want you to be more discerning, more understanding. The enemy, I would put it this way, he's a constrictor. They call the anacondas the constrictors. The enemy is a constrictor. He's finding for a way to suffocate you, choke you, little by little, so that you can die. So that your faith can be destroyed. But I pray that we will stand firm. Amen. I pray that we will stand firm. I pray that we will be discerning against every fiery arrows of the enemy. I pray that we will stand on our guard. As we have heard these words, as we have meditated on the word of God, Job says, sighing has become my daily food. He's going through something. He feels like all of a sudden, his life has come to a standstill. I don't know if you feel that way today, but I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that God will deliver you. Maybe you go to sleep with a despair in your heart. Maybe you go to sleep thinking of how terrible your life is. You wake up in the morning, you have no motivation to work. You don't feel like I can do the things that God has called me to do. You feel like a loser, you feel like a failure. Church, I want to remind you, if that is you, you have come under an attack. You're being constricted, you're being suffocated. The Bible says, resist, resist. Submit to God. Resist the enemy and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I tell you church, this is not time for games. Not time to play with our faith. Not time to ignore our prayer life. If we ignore our prayer life, we ignore the protection that can come from God. And I believe as we are in this place, God is reminding us through his word, stop playing games with your spiritual life. Get serious. Get serious. It's not a time to you know, just, just think how terrible my life is, but rather to focus on the Lord. Look unto Jesus and say, Lord, you are the author of my faith. I'm going to run. I'm going to run no matter how difficult it gets. I'm going to run no matter how weary I feel. I'm going to run no matter how difficult it gets for me. Oh Lord, help us. Help us. If you feel like you're limited, suffocated, unable to do the things that you want to do, you're skilled, you're talented, but you're unable to grow, just raise your hands. 
just raise your hands. I'm going to pray for you right now. I, I, I want to pray that you will experience the deliverance of God at this very moment. I want to pray that you will experience the overcoming power of God. That you will leave this place with this new boldness in your heart saying, my God will rescue me. And I will stand against every powers of the darkness. Every powers that comes to the pits of hell, I'm going to stand against it. Can you lift up your hands right now? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Every eyes be closed. Let's lift our hands towards heaven and say, Lord, deliver me. Lord, deliver me. There is a blessing that I'm praying for hasn't happened. Whether you realize it or not, the enemy has constricted you from doing things that could lead to God's will and to his joy. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless each and every one right now who lifted their hands. I pray, Lord, that everyone who is feeling a sudden attack over their life, who is sensing a sudden attack over their life, I pray that, Lord, by your power, you help them overcome every despair, every hopelessness that attacks them, every thoughts of failure, every thoughts that my husband doesn't love me, my wife doesn't love me anymore. I pray, Lord, may those thoughts be taken away. Give them an understanding that they're coming, they're under an attack right now. Help them to, help them to stand firm, Lord. Help them to stand firm. Jesus, we pray for your power. We pray that you rescue them. We pray that you restore them. We pray that you make them whole. Jesus, we thank you. Just as you helped Job overcome, just as you restored the fortunes of Job, we believe you will do it, O oh God. We see the life of Job. He did not end up in failure. He did not die as a sick man. He did not die in this sorrowful state. But God, you restored him. And not just that, you turned his friends in favor of him. Those who were against him turn back to being more favorable to him. Lord, I pray that you do in our life. There are people here who have lost precious relationships, precious friends. I pray, Lord, that you would help them come back once again. That you would restore families today. Husband and wife, if they're facing a challenge today, Lord, I pray that your peace will cover them. That they will understand that it's the enemy bringing an attack. I pray, Lord, they will stand firm in prayer, unwavering, that they will be able to discern every attack of the enemy. And they'll be able to resist the devil as a family. Help us, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done today. Thank you for all that you are going to do in our life. Thank you for giving us this insight. Help us to put this into practice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.